This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. The Blitz 1170 stream is brought to you by Duck Creek Casino, your hometown casino. All right, welcome back here on the Blitz 1170. Don't forget that tonight we have the uh, Tulsa Basketball Coaches Show at 6 right here on the Blitz 1170. Wednesday night at 7, it's the pregame for Bedlam. As Bedlam shifts to Norman, where Norman was the site of something, quite frankly, that I didn't know was going to happen. Nor do I think that a lot of people expected that to happen over the weekend as the victory for Oklahoma, the first over a ranked team in the AP top two since the Sooners beat number one Kansas, 64 to 55, March 10th, 2002, in the Big 12 Tournament Championship game. Uh, also, largest victory ever over a top five team. So let's check in with Eli Letterman, who covers the Oklahoma Sooners for the Tulsa World, joining us now here on the Blitz. What's up, Eli? How are you, buddy? Pop, I'm I'm doing pretty well. You enjoying your your snow day Monday? Uh, I've got my five year old in studio, so I can just be honest and say no. Right? It's a little nerve wracking <laughs> having a five year old that's here with work at me today. So uh, no, no, not at all. Um, I I I mean, snow day for you? There's no such thing as a snow day for anyone that actually works for a living, is there? No, that's correct. I've just uh, I was a little bit surprised by it this morning. It was uh, here in OKC. It was a bit more than I think we. Uh, expected but man you've got having having the five-year-old in studio if it's uh if radio wasn't a, a tight wire act enough yeah go that. yeah just just wait until this computer program that she's on right now either runs out of time or or whatever then we'll really get into a lot of fun um you heard me talk about that off the top a little bit here with just the the basic numbers from what we saw with oklahoma just like everyone predicted right oh you to go in and just mop the floor with alabama that was uh quite the performance on saturday from the sooners I don't think if I'd told you that around what, like nine thirty Tuesday night, <laughs> in Fort Worth, you would have expected that, would you? No, I don't know if anyone did. What? No. How? I I I know they've been close at times, and they've had some really good performances against good teams. But it, it, is this just a one-off? Is this something that could take momentum off of? Because I I don't know right now, Eli. I'm kind of scratching my head from Saturday. Well, first I'll give you the how, and then we can go into maybe what it means. So the how is for for the you know the really the OU had gone in there having two of their worst losses of the season at Oklahoma State and at TCU in the span of seven days with that Baylor close loss where they got out rebounded by some crazy margin in between. So it was the roughest patch they'd probably had all year. Uh, but but what we did know about this team from from a lot of the other previous losses and setbacks is they do have an ability to, to fight back and, and some resiliency. And that was a word Porter Moser, Porter Moser used after the win against Alabama. We knew that, and this is probably going to be the ultimate test of it. Cause I think things would have gotten dicey with a bad loss to Alabama. And maybe that trickles into a, a home loss to Oklahoma state. And then we're really, you know, the reels are really coming off here, but how they did it. I mean, you got Jalen Hill, Grant Sherfield and Tanner Groves each on the same night, kind of getting the max you'll get from him. I mean, Grant Sherfield, 30 points, 
six assists is, is his highest scoring total as a Sooner. Jalen Hill, 26 and, and eight, and while playing defense on, on Brandon Miller and, and holding him and Porter Moser making the case for national defensive player of the year afterwards for Jalen Hill. And then Tanner Groves gives you a double-double. I mean, they've not had those three guys, probably their three most important players uh, on, on the same night, maybe all year. So they got that. And then they got Brendan Miller, who, you know, Porter Moser called a Kevin Durant type, and he's certainly uh, looked upon, I think, as a, a likely lottery pick. You had Josh Giddy there to watch him. Uh, he struggled. And, and I think, you know, as far as what we learned then, I think we can start with the physicality. I think the Big, the big 12 proves everywhere over the weekend of that whole SEC Big 12 challenge that the physicality of this league is superior prize to every other conference in the country with a couple exceptions in terms of teams. There might be a few that could, could size up with the Big 12. But we saw that, and, and I think for the Sooners now, I mean, Tanner Grove said that the win that could carry into March, if, if we're talking about a turnaround and we're talking about a team that's going to be in the NCAA tournament come mid-March, I think you would likely point to this game as that turnaround. So I know you just kind of referenced Jalen Hill there, and Porter was talking about him a lot after the game. Uh, besides what he chipped into, and then, yes, the defensive player of the year, at least chatter around him. You had that, but but then even it's guys like Groves who go and pull down 12 boards, who, what, he finished with three blocks as well, along with the with the points that he had. It was a... It was a combination of them playing their best offensive game, but without a doubt to me, just defensive effort absolutely threw the Lloyd Noble Center roof on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, it was all there. And, you know, to kind of go with it chronologically, Tuesday night they were ran out of the gym in, in Fort Worth, and Porter Moser basically said it was the first time all year. He hadn't seen this team really fight. They just didn't have it in them. And, and that was an indictment of a team that you could have all your other complaints about but uh, th- this season, but they've not – you know, struggled for fight or for competitiveness, all that. Uh, and, and then he followed that with a really good crowd, usually the best crowd of the season that showed up to Lloyd Noble Center. I'm sure it helped Alabama coming. I'm also, you know, having been in, in there for some empty nights this year, I'm sure this team probably didn't have many more chances between Alabama and Oklahoma State if they'd lost those games in, in a certain fashion. That might have been it. But the home crowd was there, and then they gave them something from the very start, the opening minutes. Uh, they brought that crowd into it, so they were a part of it, and that defensive effort um, really was was the big part of it. Obviously, 93 points. We haven't seen them do that uh, all year, but uh, it was it was guys like Tanner Groves. Essentially, you know that that's what, that's what a Tanner Groves game should look like, or in a best case scenario, should look like for the Sooners. I think a problem is they play in the Big 12, and so he's constantly contending with some pretty serious bigs inside. But they really got everything they needed. They had the crowd in there. And it, all of it kind of amounted to not just a, a really big win in 22-23, but probably the biggest win of the Porter-Moser era so far. Maybe you might make an argument that might be one of the best, if not the best, wins in all of college basketball this year, which is the way that they played. I know it's at home. It's not on the road or in a uh, neutral gym. But, I mean, co- they just did that against a team that is easily a favorite to go to the Final Four. Yeah, you start stacking up the, the wins across the country and – there's not a lot to knock about this one. Maybe someone's got a better one they can show me, but it, this has to be up there. And so this is what goes toward that resume. And now we're heading into the final month and a half of, of the regular season. This is what the Sooners need to, to kickstart that chase for the postseason. If they want to do something more than, than the NIT, they made it to last year. And, and they're going to have opportunities. And I think we know probably only reinforced this weekend 
by the way the Big 12 performed on the whole, that, that these Big 12 teams are going to get some benefit of the doubt. They're going to get probably a decent cushion on, on whatever your record is uh, relative to the caliber of team that they can prove themselves to be over the next month. So there's opportunities. There's tons of quad one wins ahead. This still could be the biggest of them all, even if they do knock off a couple of, of, of conference rivals in, in the next month and a half. That's one thing that kind of dawned on me Saturday evening thinking about the victory is you still go through and you start adding up even before they played that game, Eli, of the quad one wins that they had and just where they were at from a resume standpoint. And yes, it it hadn't looked great at all over the past couple of games, but they weren't that far off. And everyone kept talking about the conference losses that they had. Uh, what, four of the six had come by a combined 10 points, knowing what was left in Big 12 play as well. It just takes one win like this. And heck, look at what that did for them just in bracketology to go from completely not even being mentioned or last four in to, to where they're at now. It doesn't take much based off of what they've done even in the early portion of the season to put themselves right back in the mix. Yeah, I think the fact that it had been so close and there were so many close calls and there almost seemed to be something almost effective about this team that, man, they keep playing teams close for those final five minutes. Something goes wrong to then seeing them blown out the way they were at TCU that that felt like maybe the beginning of the slippery slope. But I think all you need to do is look to Stillwater uh, and a team that, you know, themselves, you know, got a big win against Oklahoma. And I think you can see the difference. Just one win can, can make this time of year. And for the Sooners, you know, they've, they've now got an opportunity here. If they want to get rolling this week right now is, is the first week since, since the start of the new year where they have not had a ranked opponent on the schedule and uh, a visit from Oklahoma and a trip to Morgantown not easy, not simple, but, you know, if the Sooners can rattle off, you know, two straight wins here, make it three in a row, then you start talking about the momentum they, they want to build for, to, to be in later this, later in February and into March. This is that time. I think, I think they caught it at the right time. I, I think things really might've started to slip if, if Alabama and Oklahoma state had gone, or if Alabama had gone differently and if Oklahoma State were to resemble the game in Stillwater at all but I, I think they've got an opportunity and it does start this week because on, on a schedule packed with top 25 teams basically the rest of the way Oklahoma State and West Virginia represent something of a, a softer week. Well you got to uh, witness something that doesn't happen very often in Norman the old court storming. Uh, I, I don't know what that does for like a Wednesday night. I hate Wednesday night basketball games in general uh, but here we are with Bedlam again uh, if there's any type of momentum builder based off of rushing the floor, uh, that would seemingly do it for Bedlam coming up on Wednesday. And what is now Bedlam's always important, but now even that much more important for both. Uh, that should be, I don't know what bigger spark there could be to bring even more folks, whether it's the students or, or just the greater Norman and OKC area population. I mean, they they gave him every reason to come back for, for Bedlam on, on Saturday. And I, I think that's another thing that stood out here was was just what this meant, I, I think, for the group and certainly for Porter Moser, whose whole goal uh, is to, to to make Lloyd Noble like that every night. He had a quote saying, you know, we want that to be an every night thing. And that's a difficult thing to achieve. I think everyone's found that out in Norman. But that's what he's shooting for. And, and I'd say this is no, no matter where this goes, I mean, that might just be a, a blip on the radar. It could be the turning point. Uh, in, in the season for them. But to, for Porter Moser, I think, to, to get that day, and, and he kind of just sat there at, at the buzzer and watched it all unfold. He said, 
as a younger man, maybe who had gotten involved in, in the fray. He just he just sat and admired it. But for, for him to have that and then to watch Tanner Groves and Jalen Hill and, and all those guys get that moment, I mean, it, the, the image for me that lasts is Tanner Groves really at center court in the middle of the mob waving a white towel. Those guys, for, for some of the, the losses they've had and the efforts they've had uh, of late and in, in the month of January, for them to get that moment I, I think was, was a relief. It was pretty special, and, and we'll see where it goes from here, but they, this team will always have the day they, they romped number two Alabama and had that court storming. Did he look relieved, Porter, after the game? It just seemed like that there was some pressure that was starting to, to ramp up a little bit, and he's 100% correct. Court storming and field stormings are absolutely a young man's game. <laughs> I think there had to be some relief because, you know, I, there was probably a part of Porter Moser that was tired of telling, he said, his, his players this and having to tell us as, as the media this, of we are close, we're here, we're here, and, and just the results not showing up. I think for, for from a public-facing standpoint, from a, a standpoint within the program, getting that win just, just validated a whole lot. And, and, again, that might be part of what makes this the turnaround, is, is now they see what they can do and they've got it you know, on that, that board, that they have the win against Alabama and they go from here. But I, I do think for Porter Moser, who had been just saying all month of how close they were, that was, was a bit of, of validation there. All right, Eli, here's the most important question of the entire day. Is this the first Alabama quarterback to play in a Super Bowl since 77 or the first ever Oklahoma quarterback to start at a Super Bowl? Which, which is the correct answer? <laughs> so you put me in quite a spot. Here, so I don't want to step into the <laughs> you can say Alabama. both. <laughs> well, it, it's a tricky thing because I think Alabama fans and Oklahoma fans should share Jalen Hurts. He is an Alabama quarterback. He's an Oklahoma quarterback. Where I got tied up and even just trying to report some of this and tweet it out on Twitter yesterday is the fact that Troy Aikman seemingly doesn't count as an Oklahoma quarterback. I understand he didn't finish his career at Oklahoma, but the guy played three Super Bowls. He played, what, a season? He was there for two seasons in Norman. I know injury cut it short and sent him to UCLA ultimately, but that, uh, that is the part I've, I've struggled with. And OU's official count, Troy Aikman does not count as an Oklahoma Sooner has appeared in the Super Bowl. And that makes Jalen Hurts, I guess, the first Oklahoma quarterback in the Super Bowl. And not to diminish it, because it is pretty special uh, and, and seems like a, a pretty fantastic dude who's, who's getting that opportunity. I think based off of everything that I've listened to Troy say uh, over his time in Norman, and uh, make no question about it. I think Troy's been been pretty clear in everything that he is a Bruin and that his time at Oklahoma maybe necessarily doesn't count except for a few relationships uh, that he had. I mean, hell, his first time back in Norman to an actual game was, I think, this past year since he walked off of campus uh, last playing. So, yeah, I mean, he's I, – I, I don't think that he should go in that Oklahoma count either – uh, so the way that they have it is more than likely correct. But you, you know, Bama fans are gonna are gonna count Jalen as as their guy too. It's uh, the, the Bama Oklahoma argument. I think is a is a silly one because I think he can be shared in that regard, and, and folks should just be excited about him in the game in that respect. <laughs> should be fun when they all get in the same conference together, even with SEC chants ringing out across the uh, Lloyd Noble Center for sure. Eli, I appreciate you, man. Thanks so much uh, on last second notice to jump on here and help us understand how that happened. And uh, look forward to reading your work coming up from Wednesday as well. 
course. Happy to do it. See you guys. Thanks, man. That's Eli Letterman joining us here on the Blitz 1170 from the Tulsa world. All right. Um, we need to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll dive into a little bit of the Stillwater situation. Not only there went over Ole Miss, but that folded up piece of paper that the Ocali decided to unveil before a basketball game against Ole Miss. We'll discuss that and much more next year on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.